Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. When I'm unsure, I keep my mouth empty. There isn't a second chance with fire or conversation. You burn or you don't. This program features the work of 2023 writer Brian Dong. In the first half, you'll hear their conversation with curator Priscilla Long, recorded in the Jack Straw studio. First, could you tell us what your Jack Straw project is? Yeah. Um, so generally, it is a project inspired by the fact that I can speak my family's language and understand it when I hear it, um, which is Cantonese, um, but I can't read or write it, um, at least not without the help of Bing translator. <laughs> so, um, and so it's inspired by that and all of the the strangeness that that um, creates um, between my relationship with my family and um, language itself. And that's my project. <laughs> and and your project is poetry. Yeah, it first started off as. The plan was to write 49 letters um, and then, and I'm still writing letters, um, <laughs> but it has sort of expanded beyond the scope of, of letters um, themselves. Um, but yes, poetry. And expanded to what, for example? Um, so uh, the poems that are not sort of bound by the, by a, a letter or uh. an addressed letter, I suppose. Uh, uh. Um, yeah. Great, and it's it's beautiful work. Um, Thank you. Um, and so, uh, could you talk about being between English and Cantonese um, in terms of I don't know, there must be a richness that comes uh, from being in both languages. Um, where does it break down? Yeah, I think specifically with I would say my relationship. To Cantonese, um, I feel like there are certain things that I I think of when I think of the way that Cantonese can like frame the way I've thought. Mm. Um, I think like one of those is that there's very few like like when you speak in conversational like ways, there are very few like gendered pronouns oh um, interesting yeah so it's mm. often it's just like um you s refer to the person specifically or like their title or like or their name or their relationship to you so there's like a lot of different terms for like family members and exactly which family member <laughs> you're, you're talking to like maternal or paternal grandmother has a those are different words for grandma um and stuff like that's that. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, so that's like one thing. Uh, so that's something I think about. But I would say like where I 
am positioned in terms of my relationship to English and Cantonese. Like I feel like I'm in a third Mm -hmm. space or like a third language in that both are very important to me, Mm -hmm. but there's some sort of incompleteness that just one language provides me and it's sort of like a weird mix of things. I think where it breaks down for me personally is that the way I learn to communicate my emotions and and learn about myself has been through English because that's the language that school was in and that's the language that I absorbed most of my like reading and like the movies that I that are like important to me or like whatever cultural artifacts and like that's the language the shared language of my friends and um and so so much of the way that I communicate my emotions is is through English Mm -hmm. um and I have lacked that similar development in Cantonese um, and so it's actually really difficult to try and communicate my feelings to my parents oh, or my grandma. Um, I don't really have, I like kind of literally don't have the words. Um, That's so interesting. Uh, in your home, were they Cantonese speaking or were they speaking English in your home as you were growing up? Um, mostly Cantonese. Mm-hmm. Um, my my dad understands more English than anybody else in my immediate family. Um, and um, so I could speak in English to like my mom or my dad, but sometimes mm-hmm. like we wouldn't be fully communicating something or like if I had to decipher some kind of document or something for them. Uh, and so we would default to Cantonese. And it's it's like I can say things like I am sad or like I'm happy, but like sometimes that doesn't like quite encapsulate <laughs> what I'm feeling right. um, or like the situation. I Yeah, I think about that. I think that's where silence also creeps in Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. it often results in me not communicating certain things or like i'll just not share a lot there's like a lot that i don't share (laughs) with my family because it's Um, too difficult to it's like both like too difficult there's like a lack of language and i think also like a lack of shared understanding about some things um like for example like I think it's like hard enough to try and explain in English for me like what it means to be like non-binary or like ungendered or like um and so like I don't even know what the word for gender is in in Cantonese um and so like that's like sort of like an experience that is sort of like put away or like unspoken and I think there are things that they understand implicitly or like, but so often like those types of things I like, I won't speak about or like, yeah. Um, so I'll, any kind of like thing holding an emotion is kind of difficult to speak about. Mm-hmm, um, and so mm-hmm. like often I choose not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And, and what about, what about audience in this yeah. project? Do you feel your family is part of the audience? for these poems? Um, 
Yeah, I I would hope that one day they are. Um, they are not currently. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and it's and, probably better to leave it private for a while or... or yeah. Um, I have had opportunity to share a lot of these poems out in the world, um, which has felt really lovely, and and but I have not shared it with them. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah. Uh In a lot of ways, it feels like every time I, I share them, it makes me feel a little bit more closer to sharing with them. But um, yeah, I, I think one day I would love to be in a place where I can share these with them in a language that they actually understand written in a way that communicates what I mm-hmm. am hoping, but in their current state, they don't. Mm-hmm. And even if I did share them, they wouldn't like my grandma wouldn't understand a single word right. if I read one of these English poems to, to her. And, you know, she'd be like, Oh, that's great, Brian. I, <laughs> <laughs> She'd love me anyway, um, but like I don't. It just wouldn't. It wouldn't work right now, um, and so that's. And so much of the project is also being like, this is where I'm at right now, and mm-hmm. I I can't wait any longer. Um, or it feels like I can't, and like this is just coming out of me now, and that's this is the state of the poems right now. Mm-hmm. But one day they might not be. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um, you identify as non-binary. How does your art and your creativity serve this? Um, um, so this is a imprecise Susan Laurie Parks quote, and she's a she's a playwright, um, and. Uh, she has this essay where she, she says something along the lines of like, I, I write the plays that I write because, or like she, she doesn't write realism per se. And she, she says that that's totally like realism is totally fine, but she writes the plays she writes because she wants to provide a home for the figures that reside within her. Um, and it feels like realism cannot provide that home or like um and so she writes um towards something that feels more real to her um and so I I think that's what I would say my relationship to my art um and my writing has been at least to to that specific part of myself has been to push myself to a place where I feel like I'm embodying my whole self um, and not just like parts of me um, towards something that is more of an accurate picture of how I embody myself or how I feel like I'm in relationship with other people. And that is a boundless thing. Now we'll hear a selection from Brian's live reading. To whom it may concern. I wish it didn't have to happen like this, 
the circumstances of my mouth are simply this. I do not have enough, so I'm sorry. My mouth is sorry, my, my tongue is sorry, I'm teeth sorry, I'm word sorry, I'm lip sorry, I have no excuses sorry, I have nothing to say sorry, I'm saying the wrong thing sorry, I don't know how to say this sorry. I wish I could tell you sorry, there's so much you don't know sorry. Like, what happened today? Sorry, this magical thing happened today. Sorry, it made me believe in a God. Sorry, you taught me how to pray. Sorry, but do you still believe in your gods? Sorry. Okay, <laughs> that one. Um, um, the next two I'm gonna read are inspired by The Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> um, so that timestamp on that first poem, 3611 to 4428, refers to a specific scene in the movie in which Frankenstein, uh, the monster, <laughs> LOL, uh, the, the Frankenstein's <laughs> monster gets kind of like an ESL lesson. Um, there's this person teaching the monster like, this is fire, it can be good, um, it can, but like, yeah, so, and then they get interrupted. Um, so this is, look, it's the monster. It's so easy to mix up bathroom, seesaw, and key, saucy, in our language. I remember my frantic brother asking, where is the seesaw? And you didn't understand how a grown man wouldn't know where the bathroom was in his own home. <laughs> when given the opportunity to explain myself, I don't. You've taught me what is good and what is bad. I forget which one I am. When I'm unsure, I keep my mouth empty. There isn't a second chance with fire or conversation. You burn or you don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next one is, is the second one that's inspired by The Bride of Frankenstein. It's a villanelle, which is related to the Paradell, uh, which I didn't know until that little note that I read in Carla's um, uh, poem in the anthology. Um, and this is Red Envelopes. In our house, everything we say takes two turns. A dance in your mouth and then a trip on my tongue. You'll speak of a tree, but I only know what burns. I swear it isn't that I don't want to learn. You thought I couldn't talk when I was young in our house. Everything we say takes. Two turns is plenty enough for a net of intention to return empty. Holding air and nothing else, a word dead and hung. 
You'll sing about a tree, but I won't hear. What burns in your heart when you feel it, the dreams that you yearn for. You've written them down on my gifts you've strung. In this house, nothing you write takes. Two turns around the sun ago, we wrote each other letters, concerns translated through Google. But somewhere among the tangled forest we wrote, I knew you meant it. That burns will blister, new skin protects, and we will earn new trust. The kind that cools and keeps in the lungs of this house, everything we say takes two. If you turn into a tree, I'll learn what it takes to never burn. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Dear Grandma, when I broke a mug and left it on my desk because it was a gift I didn't want to part with, you started to teach me a lesson. This is how you put a broken thing away. We threw away the unsalvageable shards. We wrapped up what was left with red paper. Then we put it away. Don't ever unwrap it. It isn't safe and it's for good luck. <laughs> Two more. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is Dear Loved Ones. I find wants to be complicated things. I want to stay. As it's being uttered, I already wonder if I've said the right thing. I wish you'd say, I want you to stay. Or you lay laudai. On the drive home, I forget to turn on my headlights. In a parallel universe, I destroy a family. In this one, I return to a room I was ready to leave. Curtains drawn, I undo the bed to crawl into it. I want you can be a literal translation of the Cantonese phrase, I love you, o oi le, as in, I want bread, o oi min bao, as in, you put your head on my shoulder as I'm scrubbing the pan. Or oile. As in, after a kiss on the forehead. Or oile. As in, we're in the car and I can't take my eyes off the road, but at least you're holding my hand. Or oile. However, if you're saying, I want you, or you lay. You would use a different word that is more like need. Soy you. I need to stay. This word also sounds imperative, but I would argue it's not as demanding as in to paint my face yellow. As in I to hold my hand. I'm scared the wind makes me feel hollow. I lay to stay because I'm confused when you leave. I lay to feel like 
you're not leaving, but I can't help it. After I've left for good, my grandma tells me over the phone, I want you, o oile, to come over. That's what I want. It's easy to get dismissive when she says it like this. But what if she meant, I need you, o suyule, to come over. I love you, o oile, come over. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, this is my last poem. Um, it's a love poem that has already made its way to my lover. So <laughs> uh, I am sharing it with the world. Uh, it also feels like Troy Osaki is, was a previous Jack Straw writer, I think. And he always ends his readings with a love poem. And I was like, oh, that's so good. Um, so that's, this is a love poem. Okay. Dear, I am an immigrant to you. I arrived at the nape of your neck. My papers were cleared, and you let me in through your mouth. I'm afraid of using my tongue. One wrong word can turn me into a trespasser. I travel through the small of your back to make a home. I practice a new language to learn how to touch you. I keep to my boundary and keep watch of yours. But so often, a look from you disappears the lines and we lay down on a bed of our making, our minds chanting, no borders, no borders, no borders. Thank you. <laughs> Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production, produced by Carlos Nieto and Daniel Gunther at Jack Straw Cultural Center. Our recording engineers are Daniel Gunther, Ayesha Obiadelica, and Steve DeTori. Our theme music is by Brian Smith, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The 2023 curator of this program is Priscilla Long, and the narrator for this podcast is Carlos Nieto. The Jack Straw Writers Program was inspired by an over-the-back fence conversation in 1996 between author Rebecca Brown and Jack Straw Executive Director Joan Rabinowitz. The program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, For Culture, Washington State Arts Commission, the U District Partnership, National Endowment for the Arts, Rainier Institute and Foundation, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. You can subscribe to this and other Jack Straw podcasts through your favorite podcast app. To hear more episodes and learn about our other programs, visit us at jackstraw.org. <laughs>